very cute. I like the sheep particularly. <laughs> There's an old uh, livestock agent uh, moved many thousands of sheep in my past. So it is Christmas. And with our Australian accent, sometimes if you say it too quickly, it could almost sound like Christ miss. Christmas. Uh, there's a guy called George Mason, Time Magazine reported and a number of years ago, he was actually working in a bank and Christmas Eve, he goes into the safe where the bank is and unfortunately the door closes behind him, Christmas Eve, bang, and he's locked in. Now initially he panics, you know, thinking what's going to happen to me, uh, but there's a safety air hole and all the rest, but there's no buzz or anything else to go... So basically, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, in fact, he had about three or four days in there before eventually all the holidays were over and someone came in and opened up the safe as not part of their normal routine and duties. They simply came and opened up the safe. He didn't really like just burst out into the open and saying, oh, guess where I've been for the last few days? Because he was rather smelly. And he had had to leave a few deposits in one of the corners of the safe. So he thought it best not to advertise that. So they opened up the safe and he just stayed there until it was safe to leave anonymously and he left the safe. And so Time Magazine reports that George Mason missed Christmas. He missed it for probably one of the most unusual reasons possible. But one of the challenges that we have in our Western world, anywhere in the world today, is that we can still miss Christmas. You can go through the whole season the holidays, putting up the tree, putting up the baubles, putting up the holly and all the stuff, going to get the ham and all those things, and you can still miss Christmas. You can go through the whole season and not really get what it's all about. And it's becoming a greater challenge the longer we stay away from Christmas. So my challenge to you today is don't miss this Christmas. I'm not talking so much about Wednesday. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying it's the message behind the story. It's the most important message there is. It's about the fact that the God of the universe penetrated into this world as a little baby 2,000 years ago. And that fact should blow our mind. That one statement, if it's true, you need to figure out that. I believe it's true. I've met the boy from the manger. I've met Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I know Him. But you've got to figure that out for yourself. But if that fact is true, it's the greatest truth that there is. And every other truth under that falls into insignificance. If there is a Creator, if there is a person who created this incredible universe, this cosmos that we see, and He suddenly stepped out of time, out of space and matter. So we live in what we know as a time-space-mass continuum. So you go back to Big Bang Theory, not the little sitcom thing, but they say that there was a time some 14.3 billion years ago where there was no time, no space, no matter, nothing. Absolutely no thing at all. And so whoever set this thing up does, is not bound by space, is not bound by time, and is not bound by matter. 
and is personable because only persons create things of beauty and of design. Machines don't do that and he's got a purpose. And that God that created this cosmos came to a stable 2,000 years ago. That is the most significant fact that happened ever because he came to be born, that he might die, that he might rescue, that he might redeem and set us free. It is the most significant fact. And if you don't fully grasp that, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi. And if you haven't been to your Old Testament for a while, it is actually the last book in the Old Testament. Someone got a manual Bible? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. Doesn't she do a great job? Now I have to read this. Okay. This is very unprofessional. Ooh, you look so big. (laughs) Okay, This this is the book of Malachi. Surely the day is coming. Verse 1. And it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. That day is coming and it will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But you, will, but you who revere my name, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the score. Then you will trample down the wicked and there will be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave at Horeb for all Israel. See, and I will send the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And without Christmas, that's where it stops. Without Christmas, that's where it stops. So thank you, Jesus. We can actually turn the page in this Bible and read the next line. This is the story of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David, the Messiah. Hallelujah. Christmas changes everything. There's no words of comfort. There's no hope of resurrection. There's no joy. There's no justice. There's no education. There's no freedom from slavery. There's no RSPCA. There are no hospitals. All the things that we take for granted because of Christmas finishes with, I will strike the land with a curse. Thank God that Jesus came. Thank God that we have our Christmas. So it's incredibly vital, it's incredibly important that we understand that Christmas changes everything. So what? Well, 
The gospel is old language for saying good news. Sadly, the church sometimes has been a purveyor of bad news. But what Jesus came to do was to give us good news. And good news is that God has mounted a rescue mission to redeem us, to take us back to live with him forever and ever. It's really good news. It's the gift of God. John's gospel says, what was in the beginning has come, has been made flesh amongst them, and we have beheld his glory. And as many who have received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Now, I don't know what your personal morality is on regifting. Anybody admit to regifting here? <laughs> Do it, man. Okay. <laughs> regifting. Now, in our particular family, um, we've had a situation where some of our members now find it just so difficult to actually find the, um, the right gift that they buy a gift card. So, you know, the thought that counts, well, there's not much thought in that, but, you know, money's always good. So now what we do for some of our family exchanges now, because there's not a lot, we just exchange gift cards. But we're almost getting to the stage where I give you the gift card and they give it back to me and everybody's happy. <laughs> have, you, have you been one of those families where, you know, you've got one of those gifts where the only thing you could say as you opened it and said, uh, I really didn't deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked out that my wife does not like kitchen appliances. For years I bought a kitchen appliance and thought I was buying her labor-saving devices. <laughs> and in the cupboards we have all these things. I think they're beginning to breed and actually work out their own. We've got blenders that are turned... Oh, it's just crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I am. It's almost killed me. <laughs> so, regifting. But part of the whole deal of getting a gift is you actually have to receive it. You actually have to embrace it. You've actually got to take it on and do it. My mum made me a, sh um, a jumper some years ago, and uh, I thought it was right, quite nice. She said, uh, Mike, you... You're a bit of a Christian guy. You like that sort of stuff. So I got her to make me a jumper that had a very fluo green cross on it on a black background with the letters, the truth is in here. You remember the X-Files? You know, they had the X that way and the truth is out there. So I thought this would be very clever. Truth is in here. She made it for me. I'm very grateful for it. I think I've worn it once. <laughs> you get strange looks. You know, but I'll get beaten up. <laughs> but in order to actually use a gift, you actually have to receive it. Um, there's been a very funny set of advertisements. I know none of you watch TV here, but I've liked the set of advertisements where I think they're selling yogurt and so there's this, this little kid coming out and she's done that little picture parents i'm i'm sure if you've got young kids you've got these masterpieces posted all over your fridge <laughs> little stick figures and sons and there's this little kid coming out to dad saying how do you like my little picture dad he's just eating some of this yogurt <laughs> and he goes 
<laughs> and the poor kid freaks out, you know. <laughs> I've done my best. She's into tears. The wife comes in so understanding. What's your problem? But in order to receive a gift, you actually have to receive a gift. So Christmas is about God's greatest gift that he can possibly give to human beings. The gift came wrapped in flesh. His name was Jesus Christ. And whilst our modern ears don't like to think about it, but we were alienated from God. We were rebels. We did not want to submit to God's regime, to God's kingdom, to God's ways. We wanted to do our own thing. And so we're rebels. It puts us outside of the love of God. God wants to fix that. He bridged the gap. He came to us. It's not that we've got to climb the mountain to find God. God came down from the mountain to find us. He has this great gift in his son, Jesus. But for it to do us any benefit at all, we actually have to receive the gift. We actually have to say yes to God. I understand what it's all about, that I've failed, that I've messed up, and I will one day have to answer to an angry God. But he has made a way out. He's developed a plan. He wants to set me free. He wants to rescue me. He wants to buy me back from cash converters and redeem me back into the family home. But I have to receive the gift. So it's so important that we actually say, Yes to Christmas, to the Christ child, and allow him to come back into our life. And we do that because once you take Jesus into your life, all your problems disappear. Did I say that? Well, that's, can I rewind? Can everybody get out your finger and push the rewind button? Now, the reason why you accept Jesus Christ is that he radically transforms you from the life with him. And you get to experience an abundant life no matter what happens. No matter where the good comes, where the bad comes, you suddenly discover that you've got a diamond, an energy, an ability to face life as someone who's a victor and not a victim. Someone who's not a mess but has got a message. Someone who's not been tested but has a testimony. You suddenly have the ability to live God now and to live with God forever and ever and ever. Life changes for you. Once I was blind, now I see. It's so important. One day death will come. I know that's not a very cheery Christmas thought. I was listening to a a talk by a psychologist the other day on uh, TED.com, TED Talks. And he made this fascinating study over 40 different groups and longitudinal studies. And he says that our biggest fear in life is actually the fear of death. The fact that we don't actually not conscious of that all the time shows how well we've insulated ourselves by the stuff that we do and the way that we do life. We've insulated ourselves from the biggest fear of our lives, which is death. And he calls it a psychological bias. We just filter it out over and over again. Not going to happen to me. Not going to happen to me. Not going to happen today. We filter it away. And he says the result of that is that when we then are confronted with the reality of death, we actually will make the dumbest decisions of our life. 
because we're so wired into denial, when it gets to death, we will then adopt the most crazy, stupid, irrational ideas about death. And you only have to do a, a talk to a funeral director who's doing that all the time today. You'll find out the wacky stuff that people are now doing. Someone's died and they want to play music like I'm on the highway to hell. Or they'll say that we know that uh, Fred's going to live forever just as the butterfly flies on the wings of the breeze and, you know, he's going to live in our hearts and yada, yada, yada. We believe the most insane things when we get there because we've put it off and put it off and we don't want to think about it. Friends, Jesus came to rescue us from death. He is actually the answer. I have been with Christians when they've died, and I tell you, it's a holy, sacred moment to be with someone who knows Jesus when they're going to eternity. There's joy and peace and celebration in the room. Yes, a few tears, but it's a wonderful thing. I can see why the psalmist says, precious is those who die in the sight of the Lord. I can understand that. And I've been with people who don't know their God at their death, and I've heard them screaming as they go. Don't let them take me. Don't let them take me. I don't know what they're talking to. It is actually going to be the biggest thing one day that we will all face. And Christmas is the good news. You don't have to die and not know what happens. You can live. You can live in Jesus. You can live now. You can live forever. He wants that to happen for you. He wants that to happen for you. And all you have to do is receive the gift. Open up the gift and say, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus that I might be saved. And if you believe in that message, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, that if you believe that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, so you actually got to do something about it, then you will be saved. Full stop, you will be saved. So important then that we don't miss Christmas. You could have the best ham. You could have the best glazed ginger, the best chocolate. You could have cranberry. You could that, get that present that you've been wanting for for years. You find it bores you in about 10 minutes. Or you can actually get Christmas. And find the Christ that's in Christmas. So when we come to this year in Christmas, I'd really like you to think, when you say grace this Christmas, I hope you do say grace this. I find it quite interesting that as we become more and more secularized as a society, I find out even when I go out for ministers of the gospel, sometimes we'll sit over a meal and they don't want to say grace. And, you know, that troubles me. Troubles me that we've become so, we take it for granted. We take food for granted. We take life for granted. We take everything that we've got for granted. They uh, did another study recently where they tried to find out whether money makes you mean. And so they got a Monopoly game. Remember Monopoly? 
My family used to play it, but we had a bad incident once. <laughs> We've never played it since, have we, Tristan? <laughs> I have forgiven, you know, I've been forgiven that sin. Anyway, did you know Monopoly can fly? Um, they got a Monopoly going. What they did, they set up about 40 people, students. This is Berkeley where they seem to do all these social experiments. And uh, what they do is they give one guy double the money and double the dice throws. And they play a normal game of Monopoly and they observe what happens. And uh, they've got a bowl of pretzels there and uh, they just have them on video camera and watch. And the guy who's got the double, double the money and the double the dice throws, he of course wins quite easily. The longer he goes, the meaner he gets. Fascinating. The longer he goes, the more pretzels he's eating. What's quite funny is you watch the video, um, the longer he goes and the more he actually starts going over the Monopoly board like this. His very dominant mood. They've um, done studies where people that are given $10 and says, what we'd like you to do is to actually go out, you can either keep this $10 or you can give it away to somebody or give away a portion of this and tie it to you. We just want to know what you want to do. People that were under $15,000 per annum in the US, which is pretty low wages, 44% of them would give away their $10. People on over $150,000 a year did not give away their $10. Isn't that fascinating? Absolutely fascinating. So the studies are, the more that you have, the less compassionate you are, the less peaceful you are, the meaner you are, the more of entitlement, entitlement you have. I deserve all this stuff. Can I say this Christmas? Can we cultivate some real gratitude? Some gratitude for Christmas. That tree wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Jesus. That present wouldn't be there except for Jesus. This holiday wouldn't be there except for Jesus. My internal vitality in life, if I know Jesus Christ, wouldn't be there if except for Jesus. I reckon you should say a really good grace. Grab people's hands, even if they don't know Jesus. <laughs> Grab their hands and say, let's give thanks. For Jesus is the reason for the season. And mean it with all of your heart. Preach the gospel as you say grace. As you tear off the paper on your present, say thank you, Jesus. Remember to be grateful for Jesus and receive that present. I am fascinated by the story of the geographical fact. You don't pick it up reading Matthew's Gospel, but the um, uh, King Herod so brilliantly played, <laughs> so brilliantly played, um, King Herod, he had a summer palace um, not far from Bethlehem. It was actually a magnificent palace. On the standards, uh, even today, it was five-star. They had hot and cold running water. They had, he had swimming pools. He had spas. had everything he wanted. And as Herod would have gone to his balcony and looked out over his scenery, he could have seen Bethlehem. He could have seen. It was that close. So when the angel was there and all the stuff's going on, it was literally under the gaze of King Herod, he could have seen it. Fascinating thought, isn't it? Because here's the deal, guys. Where do you find Christmas today? It's still my theory you don't find him in the palace. You don't find him where the food is. You don't find him where the air conditioning is and everything's sweet and everything is. 
you will still find Christ this Christmas in the stable. So if you're serious about finding out what Christmas is about this season, find a stable. Find a place that's out of the way, that no one goes to, full of people that are disenfranchised, that are not in your status group, that don't have a lot. Find some shepherds somewhere. Find some wise men who know how to find stables. And I think you'd find Christmas so much more at a frail age home or at feeding someone in the park, just going somewhere where there's a lack because that's where Jesus was born, in this stable. So it's my joy and pleasure this year to wish you the Christ of Christmas. The season has a reason for being. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never taken that step to actually involve him in your life, to get out of the driver's seat, become the passenger and actually let God drive your life. Set the direction. Set the speed to your life. It is still the most important thing that you'll ever do. Most people in this room have done that at some stage. And they will tell you it's the most significant, rewarding, powerful, life-changing thing that they have done. But I want to give you that opportunity today. I am trying to present you the present of Christmas. His name's Jesus. He loves you. He went to a cruel cross and died upon it that we could be forgiven of our sins and receive eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave at Christmas time and sent his only son that whoever believes on him and receives him shall have eternal life. So I wonder if you might just uh, bow your heads for a short moment, just a short moment of privacy. just want to give you a small opportunity right now if you've not taken that step to say yes to God then the greatest joy you could have is to unwrap that present today and so I'd like to pray for you today it's not my intention to bring you out to the front to embarrass you to cause you any sense we're not asking you to join a church we're asking you can you openly receive the gift of Christmas today can you receive Jesus Christ? And if you'd like to, and God's talking to you, the Holy Spirit's beginning to move upon you, and I'm just going to ask you to quickly slip up your hand. Let me see it. And you can put it down again. God bless you. Young man here has put up his hand. God bless you. And just someone else might join this uh, young man. We're just going to pray. Ask God to do a great miracle in this person's life. Angels are getting happy. We're about to have a party. Someone's coming home. Just going to look over the congregation again. Over to my right, is there someone? Middle section, someone else. Over my left, God bless you. Well, if you might stand with me, we're going to pray. We're all going to pray this one together. We're going to help our brother. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done, the wrong things I've thought. I'm sorry that I've hurt you. 
I've hurt others, and I've hurt myself. So I give up, Lord. I invite you to come into my life and change me from within. I believe in you, that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And I will serve you to the best of my ability. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that I'm now in God's forever family. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. And um, if you've uh, got a moment to come and see me after service, love to do that. Give you some, give you some things to help you on your way, sort of a pathway. And because it's Christmas time, I would like to sing my favourite song. Happy birthday! No, happy day! Happy day! So uh, God bless you. We've got a probably just an hour service on Wednesday. Got a lot of visitors coming. God bless you. Thank you for coming to church today. And pray that you were blessed. Can we sing this one? What we mean it. The greatest day in history is the day that you were born. The second greatest day is when you find out why. God loves you.